0: This podcast is brought to you by The Shift.
1: Welcome to Sound in Space, the show that looks at the science behind the scenes. What movies got it right? What movies got it wrong? And the ones where it didn't matter. And for our first ever sequel episode, we are returning to the world of Space Invaders. With again, two very, very different takes on the alien invasion. Firstly, they're mean, they're cruel and... They want to rule everything they see. And that is just the humans in Neil Blancamp's District 9. And then, can't we all just get along with 1996's other big space invasion movie, Tim Burton's Mars Attacks.
0: They're spending so much money to keep them here, when they could be spending it on other things. At least they're keeping them separate from us. How do your weapons work? My fellow Americans, this is a momentous occasion. It is profoundly moving to know
2: there is intelligent life out there, alien life, and our world
1: will never feel quite the same again. Welcome to Sound in Space, I'm Andy Gaffney.
0: I'm Shibby Hickey.
1: And I'm Barry Fitzgerald. And welcome to our first ever sequel of an episode, because there was just too much science and too much... Whatever else we do to pack into one uh, Space invader episode, that we have returned for Space Invaders 2. How do we feel about doing our first ever sequel? Sure, it has to be done. We're given a service here.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if, if they, they decided to make all those extra Terminator sequels, sure, we can make one, at least have one go at, at one sequel, right? Uh,
1: speaking of sequels, I seen uh, Fast 9 last weekend, and I thought <laughs> of oh. Barry Trout.
0: Every time so someone good. has posted about it on Facebook or Twitter, I think about Barry.
1: <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. They go to space. They go to space. They put a they put a rockets on a car and they go to space.
0: Sorry, what?
1: Yeah. That's what we're talking. That right, is our right. Christmas special episode.
2: That is basically what you've basically done for me there is you have completely Turn me off the whole Fast and the Furious.
0: <laughs> oh, because you weren't because you franchise. weren't already. <laughs> I,
2: I, I remember seeing the first one. I went with a few friends, and they were all, they're all car lads, and they they still are. One of them's uh, one of them's uh, basically a national champion, um, Paul O'Connell. He does uh, he does some great driving.
0: That's it. Just name drop there, Barry. Just name drop.
2: There's well, I have to name drop him. He's he's doing great stuff. Paul is, I have to say now, all all, all things said about him, um, he's uh, he's he is an athlete. You know, an athlete who is one with the machine. But these lads all drove Honda Civics um, around the time the first one came out. And I think the opening scene has a bunch of Honda Civics in it. So the (laughs) opening scene of the first film, and they were all going in and out and underneath a truck. And I I just remember those lads were in in Civic heaven uh, for that particular scene. But I I just, I think
1: it's a a junk franchise. I just think it's rubbish. I think what, like... As I always say to everyone, you go from five up, you got yourself a stew, baby.
2: What, so, what sort of stew? How
1: <laughs> a meaty stew.
0: Like the first, fu- the first few Saw movies were amazing, but then it just, it went from being clever to just what is the goriest way we can kill people. Like I loved the original three Saw films.
2: I thought now, do you know, I, I, I saw the first Saw film and then when I, when Saw 2 came out, I think they missed a trick. I think they should have called it Scene.
1: I guess, oh, seesaw. <laughs> scene.
0: <laughs> oh, scene. Look. Oh, uh,
2: uh, uh, <laughs> It's like, it's, like, it's like taken. Taken. Not took. taken to. too. Took Exactly. <laughs> She's been talking in. <laughs>
0: and this is just a random little side thing, just speaking of taken. I learned, right, during the week. You know, what's it? Once upon. What was that film that What's His Face from Family Guy?
2: A Million 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 Ways to Die in the West.
0: West. Yeah. So Liam Neeson actually only agreed to be in that film doing that part if he could keep his original accent as a callback to a joke they made in Family Guy about imagine Liam Neeson in a Western with that accent. And Seth MacFarlane said, yeah, all right, let's roll with it. And that is why Liam Neeson has his normal accent in a Western.
1: That's yeah, very but good. he,
2: but sure, he might have, he might have just, you know, arrived over to the U.S., you know, five, three, four years beforehand, and and, and <laughs> five, managed to three, keep the four. old accent. I, I, any,
1: I pick, pick a time frame, you know, uh, you know, Marty McFly's uh, ancestors in the old west they had <laughs> Irish accents.
0: But but then okay, so what about what about Qui Gon Jinn? Why was he Irish?
1: Well, because it's like Doctor Who, isn't it? Lots of planets have a north. Uh, Rose says to the doctor, Why do you have a why do you have a northern accent? And he says, Lots of planets have a north, you know, which is which is I thought was always quite good.
0: I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who. I
2: think I've seen five minutes of Doctor Who.
0: I've seen five minutes, um, the Vincent Van Gogh, bit, which is I very s- I've emotional. seen
2: one of the one of the transformation episodes where one doctor vanishes and another one appears. I can't remember which one.
0: So it really it really had an impact on your life.
2: Yeah, it did. It changed everything. I think it was <laughs> Dave Tennant. Dave Tennant's Doctor Who when
1: that lad uh, came oh, on the scene. Oh, um,
0: uh, what's his name? Smith? Matt Smith? When David
1: Tennant came to him Matt Smith, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I That was one of the... I just cried so much. And that was New Year's Day. That was New Year's Day when David Tennant was switching into Matt Smith. And I... Knew, obviously, you kind of know when this is coming. And it was... I think it was a very, very lovely thing when my, when my family didn't make fun of me. They just let me... Sob- Maybe they were just confused why I was <laughs> sobbing watching, you know, one man turn into another man, but they just they just, they let me be. There wasn't any kind of, like, normally when someone dies and you get upset on a, on a TV show my mother goes, uh, he's laughing all the way to the bank. There was, <laughs> there was none of that. It was just...
2: Yeah, but geez, when you
1: were watching Terminator 2, you
2: must have been in... In tears, watching Robert Patrick turning into people all the time. Were you?
0: <laughs> I, I just wish everyone like this. You talking about Doctor Who? There, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I hate that this is a podcast and people couldn't see the beautiful look on your face as you relived watching that.
1: So it was a, It's a big moment. Big moments, you know. We last spoke about space invaders. We were talking about how there was going to be some papers that were going to be declassified soon. And that has since happened. The American government have now... Did any of you read any of that?
2: No, I I, I didn't even read... I didn't read it either. I know the only big thing that they... I know that they've come out and said is that... That they have a bunch of sightings and a bunch of recordings and information. And they they can't come out and say that they are UFOs. But they didn't come out and say they're not. And well, actually, they're all UFOs. Because UFO stands for Unidentified Flying Object. And it doesn't necessarily mean that if it's an unidentified flying object that it is in fact an alien of alien origin it could be it could many of them could be weather
1: balloons as they said about the Roswell incident in the, in the late 40s. You took the same tact, I think, but like in a more kind of, beside, like in like in our ghost episode, you were very, very, you were going in a very, very lovely roundabout way of saying, like, no, this is absolute bollocks because you're a nice guy. You were going in a lovely, lovely roundabout way of saying, nah, no, look, this is absolute bollocks. But you took a very, you took a slightly different tact, I think with the aliens where you were like, uh, look, I don't have the evidence but and I still don't know that. I'm trying to figure out it, what is where is Barry. What is Barry stance on? Boyos visiting. Well, the boyos vis- <laughs>
2: the boyos visiting is one thing, but why why I would be more inclined to say that we need more f- further evidence and further measurements are necessary is that it's just mounting up at the moment because you think about it back to like the 15th, 16th century, you know. Many people back then viewed the Earth as the center of the universe. The universe was a small place. And thanks to inventions such as the telescope, the work of Galileo, and then Isaac Newton, and everyone then after that have started to peer into into the depths of the darkened skies at night, looking at the stars, and suddenly they start seeing these smudges or clouds, and they turn out to be actually globular clusters with other stars. And then some of them turn out to be islands that are... Of islands of other stars, a distant part of space, which are galaxies, and and it's all starting to build up, and then we start to see in this cent in the last century, sorry, twentieth century, that we start to really get an idea of how big the universe is, and it is vast, it is huge, it is enormous. The Milky Way is home to you know millions of stars, and we always thought that there, if you've got stars, and we've weird the prime example, one solar system which we know of for sure back then and lived in, and we know we've got planets and we've got a star, we know that we're in a zone that we can live in, surely there must be other planets around other stars as well. No evidence, of course, to suggest it. You could say that there theoretically could be, but we don't have the evidence until the last 20 years where we've seen thousands of exoplanets have been identified. So that's planets in orbit around other stars of various sizes, and there's even a system, I think it's called the Trappist system, solar system. There's like seven planets around it. They can they can detect these planets just by when uh, when the planets pass in front of the star. They can measure this decrease in the amount of light that's reaching us from that star, and from that they can infer quite a lot of information about the planet, the size, its orbit, uh, mass, etc., with some error, of course. But the key thing here is that they're finding planets which could be, you know, a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller than the Earth in what's called the habitable zone around a star. And for us, that's where we are right now. We're in this zone where you have the ideal conditions for carbon-based life as we know it. And that's we have water. We have, we have food. There are plants. Species have developed. There is oxygen. We have an atmosphere. We have a protective um, ozone layer. We have a magnetic field associated with the planet, which protects us against high-energy particles that could be coming from the sun or coming from other parts of the universe. So we tick a lot of boxes for life, of course. We, we live here. And there are a lot of planets out there that are starting to show these signs. And it's just the evidence is building up. You know, we now know there are more planets around other stars I'm going to say surely one of them has life in some form. I'm not talking about, you know, some individuals, the three of us equivalents making podcasts on a planet in orbit around Trappist, but it could be bacterial. It could be plant life. It could be some, uh, you know, fundamental um, animal species. It's got to be there. But I can't say for sure. I'm a scientist. so I can't tell you right now. Yes, they exist, but the evidence is stacking up. That it is the case.
1: Could it ever get to the point where, say, we know there's a bit of life out there, okay, and say we know there's a bit of life out there, but we can't travel to them, they can't travel to us, but could we ever have like a bit of a ham radio esque situation going on with another planet, like light years oh, away, where it's just chat?
2: That is a great question. That is a brilliant question. And look at and, that,
1: yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what, we're dropping great questions. Uh,
2: Oh, we're dropping we're dropping the question of all questions. Can we communicate with other planets in what would we say is a, is a real time? And the answer to that is absolutely no, unfortunately.
0: Speed, <laughs> speed, speed of speed, oh, you speed gave light. Oh, there. <laughs>
2: I know, I know. Speed of light is speed of light is the problem, right? So, in the universe, you have all these different types of radiation. They're part of the electromagnetic spectrum. That is visible light. That's radio waves, that might be TV waves, gamma rays, x-rays, ultraviolet, infrared are all part of the electromagnetic spectrum. One of the things they have in common beyond besides the fact that they're all part of the spectrum is that they all travel at the same velocity, which is the speed of light. That is about 300 million meters per second. Sorry, 300, 300, yeah, 300 million meters per second i'm going to be I'm gonna have to correct myself on that, but it's a pretty big number now that's a a massive massive number, okay in terms of communicating with the moon to send a signal back and forth to the moon takes about a second because you have a, a you have a distance to to travel there between the Earth and the moon and to get the signal back, and there is a slight time delay when they're communicating with the rovers on Mars. Depending on the position of Earth relative to Mars in the orbit, you could have a delay of 20 minutes, or you could have a delay of 40 or 50 minutes, it could even be longer. That's because the signal is carried in a wave that's traveling at the speed of let's call it the speed of the electromagnetic spectrum waves. The closest star to our solar system is in uh, Proxima is Proxima Centauri. Um, it's in it's um, about four point two light years from Earth. That means that it will take four point two light years for a signal from the Earth to reach that planet, and for similarly for a signal from that planet to get back to us. That's four point two, um, yeah, four point two light years, which is just extraordinary. Basically, it would take four years for you to send a signal to send something to that planet if someone was there. And there was a recent paper just came out, and they talked about what planets in orbit around other stars at the moment might be able to see us in the same way that we see other planets you remember earlier on i told you that when when planets pass in front of the sun or the star in their solar system the light dims a little bit and this is one way that astronomers are using to figure out whether or not there are planets in orbit around those stars and the thing is some scientists said well let's figure out when other planets will be able to see us if there are is intelligent life there and they came up with a whole bunch of of opportunities for different planets and different solar systems because everything has to align you know you're talking about huge vast distances here and we have to pass directly in front of our own our own sun, which is quite big. But then a planet in another solar system has to be lined up and in the right position to see this happening. And, and some of them mightn't happen for 6,000 years. Some of them might happen in a couple of hundred years. But all of the stars they looked at typically are within, I think the distance is around 100 light years. Could even be a little bit further. I'm not sure on all the distances they looked at. And just think back 100 years what did we start doing a hundred years ago? We started doing communication. We started looking at how can we start communicating with each other properly over large distances on the planet, and that is, you know, talking by radio or using t- t- communication by television, uh, television signals. And eventually, then in the f- in the late forties, fifties, sixties, what do we start doing? We start to be looking at longer range communication. We start to to send satellites into space so what we've been doing for about 100 years is just we've been littering the universe with electromagnetic signals carrying radio radio programs carrying television series carrying the music of the day and that then is reaching out in in perhaps in all directions perhaps not it depends of course it could be scattered by various um various astronomical phenomena could be affected by um and degraded by things happening in the solar system or in the deeper space those signals are going out and eventually they'll cross different planets that are in orbit around stars within that 100 year 100 light year distance and if those planets have intelligent life form life forms that can detect those signals it will take them the same amount of time to send a signal back to us so they can measure them. They'll know we might exist. They know that we're producing this. They know they're not producing it because they'll be listening to the Beatles or they might be picking up uh, Michael Jackson or One Direction, uh, hopefully not One Direction. Um, but, you know, whatever they get, they'll use that as, okay, there's something else uh, out there. Let's talk to them. Right now, there could be signals on the way to Earth. Right now, at this very moment, from, in- from intelligent species, but... That's if they exist, of course, within that 100 light-year, 120 light-year distance radius.
1: What I was really picturing was, like, do you know in secondary school, you get, like, a French pen pal? You have to write to, like, Chateau Dawn or something.
2: It's going to be... It's going to require something like contact, for example. Contact, the signals arrive. I think they come from a star in the constellation Virgo. I can't remember exactly... But the signals arrive, they, they decode the information, they realize that they can build this particular device. And what that device is, it's, it's something that can allow them access to the, the shortcuts through space-time, so-called wormholes. And if, if something can pass through the wormhole, like a physical entity, like a person or a spacecraft, and use that to traverse um, the vastness of space faster, why can't we send signals through the same thing? And and I think Deep Space Nine also, the Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the whole idea of that is there is it was beside a wormhole, which facilitated travel to particular parts of the of the universe. And in Star Trek, they're able to communicate in real time. You notice that, right? They're all communicating in real time. I, I I firmly believe what they've done is they figured out a way to to hack space-time and send the signals through space time.
1: Right. Shall we look at our first film? which is near Blonkamp's District 9. We try to engage with the prawn on behalf of MNU and on behalf
2: of humans.
0: Now to everyone's surprise, the ship
2: didn't come to a stop over Manhattan or Washington or Chicago, but
1: instead coasted to a halt directly over the city of Johannesburg uh Chevy, first time seeing it wasn't yeah, it
0: first time seeing it um i when i when it was beginning and i saw a film by peter jackson i thought i would hate it because yeah um <clears throat> but then it began and i love the kind of like office documentary style way it started like that just really appealed to me i just thought it was really good and i thought it was quite funny and it was warm but then the more it went into it, it was like I mean it was a commentary on on xenophobia and social segregation and everything. It was it was just it wasn't even subtle in how it was portraying it. But I I thought it was really good and it made me quite uncomfortable, which it should make you uncomfortable. Um, just thought it was a great film. I really enjoyed. I didn't think I'd enjoy it at all. And then what a performance! Yeah, he had like his he brought that character all the way from selfish kind of like just a government agency to somebody who has this thing happen to him and then he's trying to find a way to fix himself and then he's using an alien to fix himself then he cares about the alien but then he doesn't care about the alien but then he ultimately gives a crap and it's a very warm story actually in terms of his character as i said this is a film this isn't just about aliens you can take out the fact that they're aliens 100 percent xenophobia racism
1: yeah there's a lot of trying to fix problems mm. the wrong the wrong way mm. in it uh i mean i think i think something that kind of jumps us straight away is like this was movie was based on uh Blancamp's short film that was the kind of the same of the same plot called alive and it had a similar uh, documentary for documentary style, people being interviewed. The people who were answering questions about this alien invasion and the people are living there. He was asking Black South Africans about Black Nigerians and Zimbabweans and he was taking their answers about that and putting that to his to the alien question. To give some kind of background, even though if you're listening to this, you've, you've, you've probably watched it already, is that a ship has arrived in the 80s uh, has broken down. We eventually cracked into it, found thousands upon thousands of aliens in said ship and had no way of fixing the ship. So over the next 20 years, they lived in Johannesburg. And this movie picks up as the government, well, a military organization have been put in charge and are moving them on to essentially a winterman camp
0: don't forget they're upset the aliens are obsessed with cat food
1: yeah they like cat food yeah that that was something uh something quite unusual i have
2: to say you know that the there's a couple of things with the with the with the film that uh from obviously from the scientific point of view i look at as well uh that's a a highly advanced technological race arrives in in ireland arrives arrives on earth and they as it turns out, I think what turns out is that the the ones that were found on the ship would have been, let's say, the the, the worker working class aliens. Yeah,
1: it's it's essentially they were going they were going to work in the quarry that day. They were you know going to they were going to mine Earth. So so
2: their their idea here was that this 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 spaceship had arrived to actually mine Earth to look for minerals, look for res- resources at, on Earth, but. Mm something must have happened within the ship there must have been some sort of a re- rebellion an uprising that overthrew the ruling commanding crew and then left just the working class uh, who were unable then amongst themselves to figure out how to get things started again and how to get the ship working again is that, I, I guess that's what happened is that what it is? Yeah, that what is yeah
1: because I guess it takes in they were developing the fuel in order to return uh, and fix the ship for the next for the next uh 20 years
0: it took him 20 years to get that amount of the black fluid to get the ship going and I, and when when they open the ship it says about how they were all malnourished and you know didn't yeah. know what they were at so it just uh i mean there's another commentary going on there like i mean there's commentary within commentary in this film yeah but i, I suppose if that guy could fix the ship is it only because he spent 20 years studying or like why didn't he fix like christopher why didn't he fix the ship while they were on the ship
1: i guess it needed time yeah. you know yeah.
2: i guess from his perspective also maybe he was originally trained as one of the workers one of the one of the miners and he wouldn't have had the expertise in that area and it took him that time to be able to assimilate the the expertise to be able to figure out yeah well this is what i need to do to get back to the to get back up to the the mothership and to see if we can go somewhere with it. And I guess that's what uh guess why it took so long for, for his character to be able to do that.
1: I mean it does interesting things with the idea of these aliens have arrived and even and even twenty years later, you know, you, you see crime lords buying the weapons, but they can't use them because they cannot use the alien tech and but yet they want it. And you know, and obviously the gov this, this military organization as well. They were all only delighted when they eventually found a way to use this this tech, but they couldn't use it for so long. Yet they had developed a way of of communicating with them. You know, you've seen him having that, those kind of great chats, but there clearly it was a language barrier. But. There was understanding going on as well. That was fantastic.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, they they fantastic. bridged
2: they bridged the language barrier. I mean, they were able to have a they were able to have conversations, full blown conversations, and both of them could understand each other. So obviously, when it comes to st- we don't we don't even know what the language is. We don't even know what the, I mean. They had they had a derogatory term for the name of the species, which be honest isn't a nice term when they were called when they were basically called prawns which is which is a yeah, shocking term yeah and there's so- a,
0: a line about that at the beginning as well when they're talking about it when one of the people says and they use this term and then they all use this term to describe it and uh, and it like straight away with from that one character saying that at the beginning it made me uncomfortable every time i heard it then Yeah i
2: mean why 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 didn't the species themselves say hey look you know this is what we're actually called
0: taking human names as well and taking the human names as well reminded me of like you know when immigrants going into america or even from here and they change their names to you know but obviously these aliens they wouldn't have done that by choice you know and uh, i just
1: well, I, I I guess the reason why it wouldn't matter what they said their name was because humans felt superior to them, and they were gonna they were gonna give them a kicking. I mean that's why I kind of that's when we were when we were talking about different alien invasion movies. I thought it was it suited the arrival slot quite well, where it's a very very different type of alien invasion where they're here they can't leave and essentially are being treated like 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 shit
0: I have a question a sciencey question which is very rare would it be possible to create weapon that could only be weapons that could only be activated by certain dna
2: I don't know about dna but there is there are weapons out there that certainly can only be operated with biometric data such as fingerprints uh, could even be uh, retinal, uh, retinal controls, so they can only be used, or even facial recognition. So we do already have those that biometric approach. We use biometric data, you know, you unlock your phone with your fingerprint. Lots of people do this, uh, and um, and you're kind of, you know, when you do it, I, I mean, I have it, I've done it, and you kind of surrender, you know, data about yourself. I don't know where my fingerprint uh, has has gone and been used by someone else now. Are I mean, you planning could be on
0: Breaking the law. Or-
2: well, no, not at all. No, I'm not saying that. No, I'm not saying that. No, what I'm saying is that it's it's a part of, it's kind of a, it's a characteristic of you. Your fingerprint's are characteristic of you, uh, a part of your biometric data. Like other biometric data would be your heartbeat, would be your, um, your um, you know, blood pressure, etc. All that's all data. And... And you could even use brain waves, for example. I mean, I have a theory, I think that, and it's kind of kind of touched upon in, in Iron Man 3, when Tony Stark puts on the Iron Man suits, at one scene he tells Rhodey, you know, they're only coded to me. And they could be coded to him in many different ways, but I think they're probably coded to him based on brainwave activity and not just simply on a simple uh, fingerprint. I mean, that's something that could be overcome so i think it's very 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 uh, precise but in terms of the weapons being controlled by a dna who's to say that in the future you know you might if you were going to use something that it would actually take a small sample of your blood or a pe- or some sort of a swab and dna uh, characterization has become very very fast and can and can be done very quickly and the process has gone from vast huge rooms that were used to basically process the dna within within a sample to very small devices where you can insert a very small sample in a in a in a in a holder and get back a dna readout very very quickly and where that's going to go you know who knows i know there are a lot of people in research who use it to characterize the dna of different samples whether or not it goes to Applications in society, such as using DNA to control your automobile, to unlock your house, to um, for banking. You know you can't you can't fake you know your DNA when you're when you're doing when you're doing banking or or, or travel. Who knows? Who knows where it could go?
1: We see him when he gets like exposed to this fuel. We see him slowly turn into one of the aliens. What do we think that that fuel is what What fuel could turn could change your DNA into that that uses that fuel Barry go <laughs> Wow, I had a feeling you were going to ask me that well it's
2: not it's not it's not unleaded fuel anyway it's not it's not a pint of unleaded fuel that's that's been spattered on him yeah i mean you're you're looking into like you know a box of possibilities here and you could pull anything out of course it's it's alien it's some alien origin alien dna uh, is probably involved in this there's it's an indication because the fuel was able to genetically modify uh Wickus when he was exposed to it that it's got some degree of a bio it's a biofuel of some sort that the the ship requires or some sort of bio components that the ship needed to be activated with and so that maybe is an indication on the type of of society that the the alien species have built for themselves and the fuels that they use and the type of technologies they use. A lot of, could be a lot of bio, bio-based implications there. And and the thing is, we use bio uh, quite, quite a lot. Thankfully, we're starting to use it more in terms of the production of biodiesel, bioethanol, things like that, which are fuels that can be used in airplanes, can be used in automobiles, can be used in trucks and trains. I think that they've managed to produce some sort of biological uh, component that is is inherent to the fuels that they use. But it just also happens to be something that can be abrasive if exposed to someone who isn't from that same species or that same planet or same same overall genetic uh, makeup. And in this case the unfortunate person who's exposed to it is Wickus, And the guy Christopher knew when he saw him, he was like, you're behaving and acting in a certain way that could only happen if you were exposed to our substance. So obviously he was aware that this is harmful to humans, but not necessarily to his species. And what, what the, the the poisoning has done is that it's basically doing a full genetic rewrite of Wickes' DNA. And, and it's, it's like, uh, there's a genetic tool out there called CRISPR-Cas. I think we've talked about it already. It's a scissors. Was, genetically was trying to, I things. was trying to remember it. I was
1: going to like, oh, that's where we would use the, uh, Cypher device. And I was like, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to lean in with Cypher here, uh, because I know there's a C in it, but Barry came in straight away with the actual name of it, so... <laughs>
2: yeah and that's it. so what's probably happening here is that it's got it has some ability to start rewriting and changing his DNA and it slowly just progresses and moves through his moves through his body now whether that is' possible in real life to have such a a drastic change to the DNA of somebody in that sense, yeah that's basically changing someone's in DNA to be one species to a completely different species and we don't know what the dna of this alien species is in district 9 you know our dna is based on four nucleotides so four, basically four letters and there are 3 billion of the uh, 3 billion letters in our dna made up of these four letters a g t and c all just kind of scattered around the place in a certain order which makes sense to the body when it's trying to make proteins but for the alien dna in district 9 we don't know what their dna looks like there's no indication there's nothing mentioned we know of course they're different species they could have five nucleotides they could have six they might have three we don't know i don't know i have no answer to that but what what we do know is that however their bodies work they're able to process carbon-based foods because you find them eating cat food and You find them eating, you know, goat's heads and, you know, random pieces of animals and cows, etc. So we do know that they have the digestive capabilities to eat some of the foods that we can eat. Perhaps some of them that we don't normally eat because I don't know about you, but I don't know many people who sit down to a nutritious can of cat food in the evenings besides cats.
1: Obviously, the kind of the, the crux of the story here is the fact that they've essentially just been left there to rot and no one like but what do we think if this situation happened in in the real world shall we say would it would there be alien rights developed would governments of outside worlds help or would it be anything for an easy life essentially
0: i think i think depending on where they landed like rights could be developed or they could be annihilated not to be skeptical about the human race but uh historically as mentioned in the last episode we're not the um greatest when it comes to things that we don't understand or that we see deem to be a threat so i think depending on where they landed would 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 make that outcome like if they landed in america what do you think would happen
2: well it all depends what part of the united states they land in of course because let's go
0: bible belt
2: there's so Certain parts, well, they'd be, they'd be, might be in a bit of water there, yeah, all I right, know. you know. But if they end up in the in the west or east coast, I think they might have a better hope of, 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 of proper integration or treatment. And it, it, I agree with, with Shiv. Yeah, it really depends on on where they go and where they end up. And and we're seeing we're seeing the effect of misinformation at the moment in society and everything on regards to climate change and 5G technologies and, COVID, and the coronavirus yeah. and vaccines. And and we are just chock-a-block with stuff that's just been poured out into the media from people who are, I don't want to say, are affiliated with organizations who want to spread this, but I would say that are not scientists. And some of them are actually, some of them are scientists, but have have kind of jumped away from the traditional scientific viewpoint because they have an ingrained bias towards a particular subject or topic. And
0: that's when it's dangerous. And that's when it gets really dangerous because you have a doctor saying something which, you know, comes from a place of bias. And then you've got the, the, the people who just go with that hook, line and sinker, and then they spread it. And that's that's where it gets really, really dangerous. I mean, you've got you can have the people from fashion shows talking about being anti-vax, and like if you follow, if you want to believe them, you want to believe them. But the, not a doctor, so you can easily just go ha and move on. But if it's a doctor, you go oh well. oh. Yeah.
2: the modern media is very good at perpetuating fear.
1: Mm. I mean, we see that used in, in in the movie when they want to essentially make Wickus a target. Yeah. They yep. they have a Photoshop thing of him having relations with the alien and say he is deeply, deeply contagious. The
0: actor gave such a great reaction to it, going, No <laughs> It's like I, I thought that was really well done. And what a way to make him even more dirty.
1: I mean it's again we said it, it's such a wonderful performance. He's great. And and you know
2: you know his next you know his next film role after that was Murdoch in the A Team.
1: I love that film. I love that A Team film. Love it so much.
2: Yeah. And think about it, I love, I, I think it's a good film. Yeah, obviously, it does a lot of things the TV series didn't do. But imagine if this, if, if this guy, Charlito, uh, Char, is it Char, Charlito Copley, I think is it? Charlito Copley. Char, not Char, yeah, Charlito Copley, not Charlito. Uh, Charlito! <laughs> <Charito>. hey, Charlito!
0: <laughs> There's the first accent of the episode.
1: yeah surprisingly no one has gone heavy in on on the on the accent
0: i just because i don't want to say the f word on the podcast and that was that was the word that every time wick has said the f word i had a little giggle to myself (laughs) really it is actually a very solo performance you know it's essentially him the whole time i mean you've got like the other actors that he's playing off but he is the only focus of an actor, I mean, you've got you've got Christopher the Alien as well, but it's a very different. But it is just him, and he like he carries the film. And what a wake for a first film! Like I didn't realize that was his first film. I assumed he was big in the Southern Hemisphere.
1: No, he just he, you know, he 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 was in the um, he was in the short, you know, and 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 I think it was just uh, you know just a friend and. Like you always tap up your friends to do these things for you. He did, and and it 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 you know one one assumes it it changes life because this movie, like even though it's not pure, I'm very I'm myself and the fan footage chaps are a very very purist when it comes to fan footage. It there's a lot of fan footage elements in this. In fact, it was actually the first technically first fan footage movie ever to be nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, um, but. I wouldn't call it a found footage movie because it it's not it's not one hundred percent pure uncut found footage. One assumes it just it, it life must have changed for him. Absolutely. Kind of I mean, there you go. And the director.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, there you go. The guys in a film with Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper, and Jessica Biel, after been in this.
1: You get it. You get a John Hameo at the end. Nothing better. No cameo is better than a John Hammeo. I
0: I find myself fancying him even in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt.
1: (laughs) He's a very fancy Bill, He is, he
0: is. (laughs) Except like, uh, yeah, no, we won't go into that now. Because if we go into Mad Men, then you will never, ever, ever stop. I have a question. Story with the eggs. You know the eggs that they had in the shack?
1: Oh, will you hit! Yes. You, I, no, I I was about to, ba- I was about to go into my band accent thing there. You know, <laughs> I was gonna say, you see them pop, you see them pop.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like popcorn. <laughs> I can't do the accent at all. But yeah, the story with that, like, what? What are they, are they hooked to the dead cow? like, because they, they're feeding off the dead cow?
2: That's how they. That's how they reproduce.
0: Off a dead cow.
2: They need to to provide nutrients. Obviously, I think in their on their own planet or in the ship they probably would have been using some sort of infrastructure to provide like food or nutrition or nutrients and water whatever they i mean they must drink something related to water um and all that would have been provided or supplied to them Um, yeah and then they had to improvise on on earth and you know they 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 because i think what was the number that they said arrived or ended up in there was more than a million uh something like that or and then at the it,
0: end of the movie it was 2.5 million i think yeah yeah
2: the end of the end of the movie is 2.5 million so in district 10 but the uh, i i just think that that's the 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 way that they they reproduce you know they have an egg the eggs get uh fertilized that, in some way, and then they have to give two, me the talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, it's all done, it's, but it's all done in a mass. It's kind of, you so know what it kind of reminded me of? It kind of reminded me of the, the feels in The Matrix. It kind of reminded me of that. This It's just a very, very, um, obviously a hatchet job in in District 9, not as not as elegant as the in The Matrix in Machine City, but it's the same principle. You need to keep it alive. You're provided with food and nutrients. You need a sort of source of nutrients. It comes from a cow.
0: That was a scene that I really felt was there to shock the viewer. Like it's like you perform your first abortion, you know, and he's laughing while saying that's it. That, that's the, that. Was, some of the terminology yeah, that was
2: used was very and, abrasive. Yeah,
0: and and I liked yeah. that they did that. I liked that they did that, even though that I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but uh, I thought the, in terms of when it got to the ending, I loved just the redemption of Rickus's character and and Christopher going, I'll I'll come back. I it's it's
1: such a credit to the yeah. writing that you you've just you do I just liked that father and that son so much. I I just I just I just want to have that son. Oh yeah the little he's the little
0: alien boy yeah.
1: Yeah it was just just so just so sweet Anna I, I do you know when uh, when the moment that uh, Wicked essentially has betrayed Christopher. And he's flying off. My heart breaks when, when the sun starts like crawling up on him like, starts hitting him. Like he's just saying, Father, Father, I just, Aedes, it it's wonderful to get such, to, I'm so connected to that wee boy.
0: Well, those two aliens were kind of the only two that had enough time to be humanized. If you will, like even in terms of like um, the like close ups with their eyes and stuff and the emotions, they were the only two that you actually got to experience that with.
1: Any chance of any chance of a sequel in this, Andy, is there? There well, it's been planned at the moment. It's been written and planned <gasps> at the moment. And it's it's been it's been a long time coming. I I would be very excited to see what happens because I think. I think um, Blancom's career, you know, obviously there's some great stuff in him, and he's capable of doing some some great stuff. I think I think the next the next few films he did after this were a bit were a bit of a dud. There was there was Elysium with Matt Damon, which was fine, um, and then there was that awful robot movie Chappie. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen Chappie, that well, yeah. yeah, not not a good, not a good film. I, I think he's. His passion project was speaking of of this week. It was, you know, he was he was tapped up to do the next alien film, and he had a script written for years and years and years that he wanted to do this. And he very he did that kind of thing that Ryan Reynolds did with Deadpool, where he kind of released it, some of the ideas online, and people loved it. So the kind of it kind of forced the studio to react to it and take it seriously. But I think Ridley Scott was like, "Nah, I'm that, you're not." I want to tell my alien story. So that got that got shut down. But I you, you know he's got another great film in him and I would look forward to to seeing what he does next. Shall we move on to our next film for some reason which is <laughs> which is Mars Attacks. We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. came Look, in many ways, look, I wanted the other side of the coin. This is famously, you know, the other side of the Independence Day coin. They were both in a, in a cold war to come out. Independence Day wouldn't have really happened without Mars Attacks. So, in many ways, I'm very, very grateful to it. But you guys were very keen on Mars Attacks. So, the floor is yours. What did you What did you love about it? And what do you still love about it? if you do
2: i thought the film when i saw it first was 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 great i really did what what i also realized when you watch back now it had a fantastic cast such a great cast massive cast i don't know how they got them all to be in it and and but some of them were kind of underused like dan devito's characters barely in it um you know jack black jack black, jack black is in it you barely in it
0: yeah, he but Jack Black makes that impact when he's in it. He's probably in it for a grand total of ninety seconds.
2: Yeah, he's he's not in it. he's not in it long. There's a couple of people who are in it a little bit longer. Like I mean, Jack Nicholson's in it twice, you know. So I mean, because he's playing two characters in it, so he gets double air double air time. But I'm sure, knowing the stories I've heard about Jack Nicholson when he was making Batman as the Joker, that he probably said, "Look, if I'm going to do this film." better make it work my while. I better be playing like at least the president of the United States which he is and then look I need another character to kind of sweeten the deal. So uh, I'd say
1: that was it. You know apparently what happened was they were trying to cast this movie and just no one was signing up for it because no one is like our characters don't last very long. They either get killed straight away or they get horribly horribly disfigured and I don't want to do that. And Burton was having a lot of trouble casting it. And then he went to his old mate, Jack Nicholson. He sent him the script. Play whatever character. If you want to do it, whatever character you want is yours. And Jack Nicholson said, I love this so much. I'm doing it. And Tim Burton said, uh, well, what part do you want to play? And he said, how about all of them? Hmm. And I think there was kind of like, well, we're not going to give you all, but we'll give you two. After that, after Jack Nicholson, a lot more, you know, a lot more actors signed up because, you know, you've got the you've got the Batman Gang back and toe,
2: and Danny DeVito,
1: and Danny DeVito, yeah,
2: and but then I mean Pierce Brosnan's character was just you know, I mean he he, he comes out with a lot of question, a couple of questionable scientific tidbits in it. At <laughs> one point, he mentions that the the the, the canyons in Mars are a hundred miles deep. That's not true at all. You know, there <laughs> there might be eight to ten kilometers in depth.
1: But he said it with a pipe. Yeah, I think if you had a pipe, Barry. You could say absolute <laughs> bullshit, and I wouldn't. And I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't question I mean,
2: you. If I had a pipe, you'd mistake me for Popeye. I mean, that's, that's what like, that's what you should a, do
1: now. That should be a, a tell now that when we say, like, okay, Barry, drop us some science on on Robocop here, and if you have a pipe, you're pulling on our apron rings a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, I think that was it. You know, Pierce Brosnan's character, the scientist, was a bit of a. I think he was a bit of a spoofer. He just happened to be the right place, right time, gets the ultimate job as the government advisor and he's a bit of a uh, I think he's filling them with 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 rubbish. And yeah, they end he's up wrong making every th-
0: time he's wrong. Yeah, he out. wants and to be on television. And he's and he's yeah. handsome. He's well he only wants to be on one particular show
1: yeah, for one reason. Yeah. Uh yeah. Look, I, love Pierce, I I love Pierce I love Pierce Bronson. I think.
0: Go on Navin.
1: <laughs> yeah, Pierce Bronson is this lovely, almost like enigma of a man where you know, he was James Bond. hasn't done an of hasn't been uh, in very many successful he things. Say, Mama
0: he was in Mamma Mia.
1: Yeah, that's it. But he's, you know, he pops up in these in these things. And, but he is, I would say, Pierce Brosnan is universally loved. Surely, but I love. But he, loved but he was Brosnan. James. He was James Bond
2: at the time when this came out.
1: Yeah, ninety six. Oh, he would have been. Yeah, Golds. Yeah. Golds and
2: I was in ninety five. So he was. He just done Goldeneye, and, and then he goes into Mars Attacks, um, and then it was the world. The the world never was it the.
1: No, it was tomorrow. Never, it was tomorrow never dies, and then it was tomorrow never dies, and then it was the world is enough.
0: I'm not a Bond person, but the fact that I actually knew a Bond film a, Michael, was I'm amazing. A, I'm a
1: big Bond. I'm a big Bond guy.
0: You strike yeah, me so, as a Bond guy.
1: I'm a big Bond guy.
0: So, <laughs> I'm a big Bond so, guy.
2: So they they had they had a lot of, a lot of big actors in it, but there's a, a lot of like. I mean, I'm gonna go back to this now. Here's here's a couple of holes. Right, first of all, right. Let's see if we do, let's see. First of all, you see the opening credits. It shows the Earth. And it also shows Mars and it shows the, the what what Earth apparently looks like from the surface of Mars. And that's completely wrong. I mean it's just it doesn't look that big in if you were on the standing on the planet Mars and looked up at the at Earth, which you can see from the surface of, of, of Mars, it wouldn't be that big. Also, Mars has a slight atmosphere, there's no indication of an atmosphere here, so they've taken liberties with the, with the um with how they've portrayed the planet Mars in the film. Second thing is this, I mean this is this is just something I think also comes back and I'll compare it to Independence Day. the the earth is under some sort of attack from aliens yet they're still doing high school tours of the white house
0: oh that was just so good but that was such a great joke throughout it like when natalie portman's character goes going sorry there's a tour in there and then when they're evacuating the white house and they're about to go out there's a no there's a tour in there and i just love that so much that they're like let's just maintain this (laughs) i thought that was yeah
1: i know
2: because that wouldn't work. I mean, it, Independence Day. You know, the aliens have arrived, and yet they're still doing tours through the White House. Imagine <laughs> yeah. if that was the case. Who are they? Oh, they're here for the four o'clock tour. Um, <laughs> they want to see. The, they want to see the Oval Office. Can't you see we're having an emergency? Ash, just let him in for a minute. Just let them see it. You know, life goes
1: on. You know, when emergencies happen, life life goes on. You know, you still knock yeah, but get out podcasts. Is, and but,
2: but this is unprecedented. And this the the other thing is this, right? You know that the... Who is the song? Who is the singer? Of the song Slim? that was the one that.
0: Slim Whitman and the reason I remember that and will always remember that and the reason why I love that he was the singer that killed all the aliens because my grandmother who I lived with and grew up with was obsessed with Slim Whitman and she would play CDs of him over and over again so when Mars Attacks came out we made we made my 70 odd year old grandmother watch it so that we go see your music kills aliens
2: but the thing about this is this right it comes down to the thing i was mentioning earlier on about how how waves travel out to space carrying signals carrying music carrying t- television waves and television signals the martians surely if they're an intelligent race and they, they apparently are more advanced than us would have been able to detect the signals coming from earth for many many years And at some point, they would have come across one of his songs, right? Slim Whitman's songs. And then they would have heard it and gone, oh, that's awful. We need to to figure out a way to protect ourselves against that. Come up with a way of protecting against it and then arrive on Earth.
0: But perhaps, perhaps at the time where Slim Whitman was actually very popular and stuff, it was in like the 40s and 50s when radio signals were not as strong. And he wouldn't necessarily be even played on golden oldies because I used to have to sit and listen to Tip FM with my grandfather and they play a lot of golden oldies and Slim Whitman wasn't on there. It was like, you know, so a bit niche, you know, for the elderly at the moment. So maybe because the radio waves weren't so strong back then. Let me have it. Maybe just let me have it. Let me have it. Well someone
2: at some point must have played it and it with enough, let's say, with enough range and reach to get it out into space. Let's Um, be honest. It was probably
0: it's probably drowned out by like Britney Spears, the Spice Girls. You know, they probably get straight back well, by that. Britney
1: Spears but, found the uh, the the necklace on Mars, didn't she? I yeah,
0: brought but, I brought up Britney Spears so that we can free Britney. Anyway, and well, Britney Nicole Spears statement. wasn't
2: around when Mars Attacks was out, so they weren't listening actually, to Britney Spears. Actu-
0: actually, she was alive and she was in the Mickey Mouse Club and singing there. So oh, I know Barry, she... get your facts right. She was. Oh, Mickey she
2: was alive, I'm sure, but I don't think she'd released any songs, has she? She
0: had with the Mickey Mouse Club. Her. Justin Timberlake Christina Aguilera Ryan Gosling all members of the Mickey Mouse Club together
2: oh right I mean, do they have any number one hits in the, the mid 90s
0: why must you press me for this knowledge
2: I'm just
1: reversing this you ask me questions Barry can I ask can, you a question you now just Andy let me let
0: me give you're some like, little bit yeah. of knowledge you're like how does alien talking?
1: impregnate a cow Barry how would you impregnate a cow <laughs> well, if I you're an d- alien hang on now
0: hang on now I didn't ask him if the aliens impregnated the cows Okay. <laughs>
1: explain to me now
2: explain that. to me why the aliens are able to butter their toast in zero gravity you know explain to me there, that what,
0: what are you are doing is, that is
2: my next question
0: what you are now. doing right now is reverse mansplaining to me right
2: well actually I don't I know mean, the answer I'm asking you to tell me the answer reverse, reverse mansplaining could be
1: could be the tagline not the, the genre on iTunes <laughs> for this podcast <laughs> <laughs> the um, tell me this now
2: tell me this now and tell me no more
0: i knew you're gonna use that phrase
2: <laughs> tell me this now and, and tell me no more the aliens right these buckos arrive you know they come down uh, i i think the aliens are a bit weird i mean they had the owl they had the, what would be seen as the traditional viewpoint of what an alien would have looked like if you asked someone to draw an alien in the mid 90s a lot of people would have drawn that head but not that body
1: well, they're based on they're they're based on these cards. Obviously, Tim Burton loved there was um there was Trump cards. They were called, I guess that's for kind of top Trumps and so like that. But there was these very very popular baseball cards. Yeah, it was in nineteen sixty two, a trading card series called Mars Attacks was um brought out, and obviously Tim Burton found these cards and loved them. But they look exactly like they do. Look very very like the film but the thing about these cards and and do look them up is that they are like they were banned so so quickly because they are so violent they are so so oh shocking that tim
0: burton would like them
1: (laughs) and rough like you know like just some great really kind of really good ones that you think like she says a chilling image like death in a cockpit it shows a pilot on fire because a UFO has just, has just blasted. There's Washington in flames. That's a bit disguised. morbid now.
2: A bit morbid. Yeah. Like, oh, it is, it
1: is, it is it is grim. And I like, just destroyed a city, which is just, you know, four of our Mars attacks, aliens standing over skeletons and march on. And then also they crossed a few lines when it comes to their treatment of what Mars do to, and um, I like, just prize captive, there's beauty and the beast, there's a lot of uh, Mars ta- Mars taking women, Martians taking women. There is there's there's a famous one of a dog on fire in front of a child, which I think that's where that scene comes from when they kill the dog in the movie. Oh, yeah. They are the but like they become such a cult thing. They actually kind of I think they they kept on being republished throughout the years. But look them up if you haven't seen it because they are. They it are sounds, or something.
2: Sounds very dark, but I think there is one question, though, that needs to be addressed. The fundamental question from Mars Attacks is: Why was Tom Jones in the film? Why
1: wouldn't he be? I love Tom Jones, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean the end. The end. In, the end ridiculous. I mean, he's standing there, and the music is playing, and he's kind of he's dancing with it with a, a hawk or a falcon on his arm, and a couple of deer around. Uh, that's the weirdest end but to a film.
0: The whole. Thing? is so wonderfully camp and overacted and glenn close i mean you look at fatal attraction and then you've got glenn close in this and it's just she's so it up and she's brilliant like the whole thing is just the whole thing is just so campy it, it's brilliant
1: the the like two plot issues that i just kind of it's, what's it, they went,
0: Andy, did you only find two, ish, two plot issues with, it this, like the, with this film like, that you love?
1: Yeah, you love like this the, film,
2: Andy, isn't it? This is the one you used to watch all day, every day. You did a, a weekend of Mars attacks, didn't you?
1: <laughs> well, like, I, I think I, it, it did hit me slightly better this time. But you have Jack Nixon playing two roles. One of him is the president. So have, like, very easy, just do a little bit of scripty scripty stuff and have the president get killed by the alien, but then they still need a president, so they bring in the kind of like the the drunk rouse about double-ganger to be the new president. Great little, great little setup. <laughs> Funny, you've got the aliens are attacked by music. You have Tom Jones have Tom Jones flying around singing, it's not unusual, while all the alien's head blows up. You've got like. You have, you have, but, it, you have, but, but it's not, but it's runs. not his,
2: but it's not his songs. It's not his songs. Yeah, but they, could little,
1: they could just do a little uh, typey, typey.
0: But would Tom Jones, would Tom Jones want to be associated with music that killed aliens like that? That actually was deafening to people. No, no, Andy. Uh, Tom, Jones, no, is right. Tom, no. Tom Jones, Jones is all right. Tom Jones is all right. He's never going to kill the aliens. He could save a bunch of people because he could fly a plane for some reason.
1: But let's look at the Tom Jones <laughs> cameos. Let's look at some of the Tom Jones cameos. Fresh Prince, great cameo. Great cameo in Fresh Prince.
0: What?
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, he turns out he was Carleton's, um Carlton does a wonderful life thing. And he's like, I wish I was never, I think, I wish I was never born. And Tom Jones turns up as he has his angel. And it's, it's fantastic. And I, I his episode of The Simpsons was yes. incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't Where Smithers that. says, um, you know, opens a briefcase full of money. And it was like, sorry, I don't do private parts. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah, she yeah. look in this case like. <laughs> oh, oh uh, Tom yeah. Jones. Tom Jones seems alright. Tom Jones can laugh at himself, you know. But there was just it just felt like there was another script somewhere where they're like, or like it was the script wasn't done, and they just thought, ah, fuck it, you know, let's just they, let's just make it.
0: But were they then kind of doing like what Independence Day was doing? Were they? Was there like? Were they like uh Speeded up as well Like No they... I don't think
1: They had They had no interest In in winning They uh, They had no interest In w- winning the space race You know
0: It's just a brilliant movie Michael J. Fox Like he's such an ass in it He's so horrible And then yeah. like But he's not in it very long And then you've got Sarah Jessica Parker Just being like Eww and like uh, why did they turn them
1: into dogs at the end? Oh
0: because he he wanted the body. The alien was looking at Playboy but he wanted the body not the head oh
1: yeah you know so then they just attack but
0: i do i do love that bit i love pierce brosnan and sarah jessica parker's ending where their heads are just rolling on the floor i love you and it's just it's so campy and ridiculous because they've really only met twice (laughs) once in an interview and once as heads so or a head on a dog and it just I just you watch it, you go. This is ridiculous. If you watch that film and go, I am going to take this seriously. Well, you're going to despise it. But it's I don't happened. take it awful
1: lot seriously. But like like I said, it's it's it definitely hit me better this time. But why but did I think you hate I had, it so
0: much the first time?
1: I just I just I just would when I whenever I watched it, it didn't hit me right. I think I just I think I had a very wrong impression of it. When it first came out, because I remember, I don't think I went, to, I don't think I saw this in the cinema. I would have been 11 when this came out. I don't think I saw it in the cinema. I think I saw it in the cinema,
2: I think, but this it, it hit me the other way. I actually, I think it's rubbish now after seeing it again. Oh. It's actually, it's, it's, I, I used to think, I, I I, think it's because, you know, of the age I was at and it was about space and I was into space films and I was watching a lot of these and, you know, um, I think Star Trek First Contact was that was came out the same year as well. and independence day i might be wrong on first contact was it no it was um no generations came out in 95 wasn't it star trek generations so so the the you know i would have been into all these films and i thought this this leaned in very nicely and it was you know it was a bit of a gaff and a gaggle but i look at it now and and i look back and i think oh what was i thinking this is you know I think it's also maybe I've changed what I what I want to watch. Um, Arrival is more the style of a space film that I would like to see more of. Uh, the Independence Day also maybe toned down some elements, but the last, the new Independence Day is just awful.
0: But with Myers' Attacks, I think the reason why I loved it, why like I hadn't watched it in years and years and years, and when I watched it again this morning, I just, I think I just love the kind of genre of acting, like it is that not serious acting. Like it's actors acting, if that makes sense, and that's what I loved. It was totally hammed up. It was, and actually, yeah, it's like
1: a like a radio play. Yeah, type and thing. it
0: was kind of it's even though it's Burton, you know, it's Burton when you're watching it, but it's also a little bit different for Burton as well because you get so much more used to like the Nightmare Before Christmas, the Sweeney Todd, the really dark gothic stuff, and this was a little bit different. But I just, I just loved that it just didn't take itself seriously in any way, shape, or form. I thought it was. Like, I, I just really enjoyed it because I love that that I love movies with that kind of acting in it and that kind of script, you know. I I just really enjoy that. It's it's an acting I'd love to do. I think, which is why I love it so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could imagine watching it in like the Sugar Club or something mm, like that. Yeah, you like know, the Sugar Club at, on a Friday night with a sea breeze in my hand.
0: Yeah. If you had, if you had Mars Attacks nights, like they have the Rocky Horror Picture Show nights, where there was audience participation, where, you know, with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, you've got the throwing your rice, you've got the throwing toast, it's so much fun and interactive. If something was developed that way with Mars Attacks, it would be a total ramp of a night, like people going in costume, that kind of thing. It would totally do, like, it would hit all of that kind of underground culture. Like, it totally would. It would definitely kick off the same way as Rocky Horror. I suppose maybe not as much as Rocky Horror, because at least with Rocky Horror, you get to dress up a little bit provocative. That's what
1: we'll do. In a year's time, we will do, we will rent the sugar club, and we will do a, we'll do a sound in space, Mars attacks. Oh. Oh my nice. god!
2: We'll let you. We'll let We'll let you. We'll let you. We'll let you, we'll let you rent that. I'd say you'll have, uh, <laughs> yeah. you We'll know. crowdsource
1: that. We'll crowdsource yeah. Light, yeah. like Shims Rocket. Um.
2: But going back to the last one, I was the last film. I think District Nine is far better in terms of what it does with the portrayal of the aliens and and they look at. Yeah, I mean it's different aims and different different viewpoints and different goals, but. Um, I always feel that, you know, the, maybe it's the, the age I'm at now. You know, I look at a film, I want to see, well, what's it tell me about society now? What's it tell about me about society? Could be what what the things you can learn about. And obviously, I'm looking at the cool tech. The, for me, there wasn't enough cool, realistic tech in in Mars Attacks. Yeah, I mean, they're flying and flying saucers. I mean, that's just the typical unidentified flying object it, that it, people it, always associate with it.
0: 1996. So.
2: That's also, but it's also the same year that Independence Day came out and, you know, Terminator and and other science fiction films would have been out before that and and Star Trek and and Star Wars showing more kind of detailed ships I mean probably Burton probably thought like, let's just go with the stereotypical alien ship that everyone knows and there's no there's no big sell I then. think
0: that's what it was though that's why there were those like the, like even the aliens were inspired by the characters but they're what you picture with the aliens with the big brains and stuff like that and when you when people think of aliens they always think alien invasion and like there is all like the amount of TV yeah. shows, kid shows, and stuff I've seen where the humans are like, "Oh, you come in peace, But then they're obliterated. So he, it, it was, it was just playing to that stereotype. It was completely just playing to that stereotype. Like the whole film, like, oh, uh, another, another. I, 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 this is totally again going back on some. But Martin Short in in that role to me it was so bizarre seeing Martin Short play the speechwriter advisor person who was getting all like the sex workers and stuff. But My job is very stressful. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. it was just so weird seeing him play that character.
1: It's that, that, yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the sexy uh, female alien mars yeah. alien I mean, that was like that was an iconic Yeah, i remember that was iconic at the time and i think i'm gonna have to phone up brita and ask this because i i i think and i was only 11 you know but i think that i wasn't allowed to watch this i don't think i think you know because i think my mother thought this was uh this is a you know pure racy yeah but, yeah so I, and i think i wouldn't have seen this until maybe like video or something like that. My
0: my dad was big into all the sci-fi films, so we always got them on video and like because he introduced us to uh yeah he introduced us to um War of the Worlds on um on record, like the original War of the Worlds. So like we grew up with that around us. So Dad if there was aliens or whatever was like you must watch this because this was what he was big into.
2: Any Mars any Mars facts first Barry? Two moons Phobius and Demius, former asteroids, so they don't look like our own. Mars has an atmosphere not as, not as dense as our own. Wouldn't have enough oxygen to sustain life. That's why there's a lot of people talking about terraforming it, which would involve sending plants there to, to flourish and then release oxygen into the atmosphere. Um, but these species that there's portrayed in, in the film seem to breathe nitrogen and um which is or, or some form of nitrogen um and which is kind of ironic because i mean our own our own atmosphere is, is predominantly nitrogen but there's pro- was probably enough oxygen in the in our air that would be toxic to them as a species and yeah i mean there's just i mean not a whole lot you can really give off on their physiology they they look human they have the same build same same overall structure in terms of our forms um yeah it just happened to be technologically more advanced than us that's the that's the end the end uh in salute and summary on them
0: i have a space fact do, do you do you guys know where um the name the milky way came from no well when hercules was born born to a human mother so zeus had had an affair on hera his wife queen of the gods and uh zeus wanted hercules to become immortal so he sent Um, Hermes and Athena down to earth to get baby Hercules to bring him to Olympus so he could breastfeed from Hera because if he drank her milk then this would make him immortal but as he latched on to Hera she woke up because the baby bit her and she smacked the baby and the the baby went flying and, and the milk sprayed across the sky and that's where the Milky Way came from. So Greek mythology. There
2: you go. The Greeks, the, well, the Greeks did a great job at putting together the the storybook of the stars, yeah. and,
0: and and it's great actually. That's yeah. one of the things I love about Greek mythology is how much of it is um, is what we use in our own language and in our own stories and science and stuff like like it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating.
1: I didn't know that. Um, <coughs> Saturday, Sunday, Monday was Saturday. Saturn Saturn Sun and moon until yesterday.
0: Oh No, there
1: you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Look, it's not it's not just Barry dropping this stuff. You're getting Milky Way and Sundays and everything there.
0: Yeah. I bet I'll have gross, I'll bet I'll have grossed out a few people now when they go to have a Milky Way bar.
1: <laughs> Shiv our challenge Barry theme.
0: <laughs>
1: challenge Barry. Barry Captain America. What's the question? Chimmy. Um I don't like talking about bodily functions.
0: <laughs> so based on the sci- like the whole Captain America science thing and all that stuff and the strength, I'm and, and being very clear on it. But would Captain America poop three times as much as the average human or would he have a poop that was three times larger? I
2: would think very quickly that it's, it's a metabolic thing. He probably, because of what his body is doing requires a larger calorie intake per day so the typical for uh grown male normal grown male is two and a half thousand calories i guess the things that he's doing probably needs you know we're talking michael phelps calorie intake or even double that just to be able to do what he's doing i just think he's going to the toilet more often that's it
1: (laughs) i wish i wish
0: wish i'd used a more scientific word like defecate as opposed to poop
1: (laughs) You get you get everything on this podcast. Like you know what what more could you want than we're talking about terraforming Mars? We're talking about uh, exoplanets and communicating with stars. And also, yeah, I say I say Captain America poos more than the average man. You're getting you're getting gems. Oh,
0: that made you feel so uncomfortable to say, Andy. <laughs> I
1: did. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not into it. Now, not into it. <laughs>
2: The same would definitely the same would definitely apply to the flash as well uh, in terms of what he has to do. Anyone who's doing anything that 's beyond our our normal metabolic rates, and most of this, most of the characters in superhero films have to do this now. The alternative you could look at in this as well is that perhaps their bodies are more efficient at extracting nutrients and extracting uh, their needs for their cells from the food intake, but it doesn 't take away from the fact that there'll always be waste produced by the body, and if they have to eat more there's the likelihood they're producing more waste. And as a result, then they probably would have to go to the toilet more frequently because their their bowels, I can't imagine that Captain America's bowel was enhanced or augmented in size due bowel. to the treatment. So
0: I hate the word bowel. Just like earlier, you said the word globular. And that's why I went really quiet for a while because I was just globular. Glob- globular clusters yeah. that you find but in But even globular... Yeah globular clusters and bell. Wow.
1: That's our spin-off podcast. <laughs> Next week's challenge Barry comes from uh comes from Efa, and it is all about I had it in my way notepad and I do not have my notepad but it is you haven't seen a quiet place Barry have you? I have. Okay, well it ties in it's about a quiet place where uh very very quickly aliens uh, fits the aliens things. Well aliens are have arrived on Earth and they are blind hunters, but they wipe out the human race pretty much. They do a lot of damage because they attack by sound. So essentially no one on the planet can make noise without being attacked by aliens. So you see in the film you see in the film a lot of people, you know, they you know, they're walking on Clot and things and just not making any noise. So what the question from Dear Aoife was, what could one do to go about their everyday life but still continue living in a quiet place, world, possibly could you fashion some kind of suit? That is you and you will find out the answer on the next episode of Sound in Space. Very, very quickly, uh, aliens that have invaded Earth. You have to go on a night out with them. Which which alien that has invaded Earth in a movie are you going to go on a night out with?
0: I think the I think the Mars Attacks lads be great crack.
1: Barry the Borg. I'm going with Loki. He invaded Earth in Avengers. Had that true, Oh, yeah. I thought we just yeah. had to go yeah.
0: off the films we watched.
1: No, no, any alien that invaded. Oh, any so. alien.
2: Oh, any alien. I mean, I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't pick Loki. Now he'd be boring. I'd say he'd be, he wouldn't be that interesting. He's a hedonist ah no you'd get sick of him he'd be, he'd I love be you know for about for about 20 minutes it'd be hilarious and then at the end of the night you'd be fit to to, to put his head in the toilet and flush it <laughs> you know it'd just be you know I, I if, if we're going after anyone the boar could be, it'd be a bit boring you know but I would say one of the predators uh, might be if you could get on get on side with him, I think it'd be alright.
0: I'm I'm gonna say the Vogons from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, purely purely because then my poetry might be better than someone else.
1: Oh of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great shout. Great shout. great shout. You're welcome. Or
2: the scr or the scrulls from mm. Captain Marvel, one of the you know Ben Mendelssohn's oh, yeah, character yeah, yeah. from yeah. the Skrulls. He's scroll I'd say he might be alright. He's up for a bit of a giggle, I'd say. Yeah,
1: because if you're walking into coppers if you walk to the coppers, I know the way the bounce is like, you're not coming in, lad. You've had way, way too much. He just turns into the manager of coppers and says, actually, look, that's my nephew. You better let him in. And like, right in, you come there, you know? So that's why it'd be handy to go out drinking with a yeah, scroll. A couple of points with a scroll, yeah. Again,
0: back to my Vogons, I would be more attractive than them. So the likelihood of me pulling would go way up if they were my wingmen
1: so in coppers the sun space christmas party is me loki you and a vogon barry and so oh, and ben melison's scroll yeah
0: <laughs> this is Amazing. The, this is the nerdiest thing we've said all series <laughs>
1: if you do want to challenge barry or just whatever whatever you want uh do get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, or send us an email at soundinspaceattheshift.ie. And I'll tell you what would be amazing, what would be absolutely fantastic, is if, when you're listening, you want to throw us a wee review on podcasts or iTunes, whatever the young people call it these days, Spotify, wherever you listen to this, if you wanted to throw us an L rating, that would be amazing, but even better would be a little, a little review. You could even leave a bad review. I thought <laughs> just leave us, you know, because the, the more reviews help the show get.
0: Tap a star for us.
1: Chuck a wee we star. Chuck a star for learning about stars. Barry, throw out a quick star fact there to end this one.
2: Right. If you're, you have to be above a certain mass limit before a star could potentially turn into a black hole when it dies. So you have the pressure inside the star combating against the gravitational pull of all the matter when, the pressure being built by the fusion reaction stops. Our our sun won't end life as a black hole. It will expand into a red giant and then shrink probably into some sort of brown dwarf or white dwarf, but it won't form a black hole because it's not
1: big. It's not
2: big enough.
0: I have no idea what any of that means.
1: But if you enjoy it. This- you have that. You are now legally obliged to give us that extra star because it is now the official new feature of Space Spaces: star for a star.
0: <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by The Shift. For more like this, check out theshift.ie.